Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, and welcome to Curva Mundial. I am your host, Sal Bono, and today's guest is a friend of mine and someone whose knowledge of this game is second to none. He is the founder of SempreInter.com and the co-host of the brilliant podcast, The Italian Football Podcast. He is also a massive Inter Milan fan. Please welcome to the show, and coming to us from Sweden, Nima Tavale Rudsari. Amico wow. mio, benvenuto. Hey, thank you. Grazie. What, a, what an introduction. Thank you. I'm honored. Wow. A little bit humbled and, and, and embarrassed, <laughs> but thank you. There's nothing to be friend. embarrassed by. I, look, the only person that gets embarrassed in this podcast is me. Oh, <laughs> I, I would not allow my guests to be embarrassed. <laughs> no, I, it's, wow. Thank you. What an introduction. That was, that was uh, so kind of you. No, thank you so much for doing this. I know your schedule is incredibly jammed, and I feel like you haven't stopped working since we became friends two years ago. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, absolutely. That's it's an like observation. <laughs> what's, what's insane is, is like I'm in New York City, you're in Gothenburg, and it's mm. like it'll be midnight New York City mm. time. I'll be doom scrolling on Twitter, and there you are live tweeting, and I'm like, this guy doesn't fucking <laughs> sleep ever, like at all. No, it's uh, been it's been intense. It's been it's been a crazy. I mean, the entire I mean, the pandemic has been like ever since it started, I've been working 200 um, percent. And it's because we kind of, you know, we decided to start like rebrand our podcast and bring on Carlo Garganes and, and Italian football podcast. And this is something that I've been wanting to do my entire life, pretty much uh, the Italian football podcast. And, and I knew it was going to be lots of hard work and it has been, but it has been so rewarding um and also sempre inter i mean these are things that i've always wanted to do my whole life and and to be able to do it on my own and on my terms and the way i want to do it is i feel incredibly blessed i feel privileged um and i'm i'm so happy to have the people i have around me to be able to work with them but also it's it's a lot of work but it's you know anything worth doing is is a, is a lot of work right it's worth overdoing you know yeah, yeah uh yeah. you know working so hard on this sport that we love but you're covering it literally 24-7. Does it take the love and passion out of the game for you sometimes? That's a great question. Um, I have a trick to for, for how I maintain that. I mean, for example, I live in Gothenburg. My team, I have, I have two teams I support at club level. One is Inter and one is IFK Gothenburg. I have made it a specific point and to not ever, ever work with IFK Gothenburg or have anything journalistic to do with them in any shape size or that is a passion that, that's my passion I, I go there as i don't want to be i don't want to have press accreditation i don't want i don't want anything like that i just want to go there as a fan and scream abuse and shout and behave like an idiot like everyone else does in the stands you know what i mean like really? no, but you know what i you know what i mean like it's yeah. just that is that is something you know and and for and, and the same with international football now obviously that i've kind of broken that rule because we covered italy in the euros quite extensively on the on the part on the italian football podcast but I, I refuse to go further than that. I, I would, I wouldn't want to, like, I want. It needs I, international football needs to be like, like IFK Gothenburg and, and watching Iran um, and has to be. That has to be like not work. That has to be me just enjoying the game, um, and I and I love it. That, that I mean, that's that's the best way to like separate all of us. I mean, I think mm. it's brilliant too, you know, because again, like you're immersed in it so much and we're going to get to this in a little bit but that's a really good question because it is true i think i was thinking about this the other day i don't i mean of course i support inter but if i were to compare 10 years ago how much i think i i'm less of a fan today than i was before way less um of course i want inter to win and i support inter and all that but i'm not i'm not as much of a fan as i was uh of inter 10 12 years ago than i am now it's more work and it's like it's not not like like in a negative connotation but more a professional attitude like the relationships you have with the club the people in in the, in the industry etc it's more it's more professional uh of course football is passion and there's without it you know it's it, we're not you know it's it's not it's you know whatever you do you have to have passion for it but it's more professional for me than 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 it's fan now great you know, your story is fascinating because you're truly a person of the world. And someone, <laughs> as I said in the pre-interview, is I'm convinced you're James Bond and Indiana Jones <laughs> rolled into one. Uh, because here's the thing, is that 
you speak so many languages, but it's not, it's beyond the language understanding and dialogue. It is, you understand the nuances of so many different cultures that that is beyond a, what a Rosetta Stone or classroom can teach you. Like that's, the, it's like, you know, there are videos about Italian hand gestures and as I'm doing them now, just uh, subconsciously as I'm looking exactly, at exactly. I was gonna say. But there are videos about Italian hand gestures and it's like, you you know this and you know that what what the you know dynamics are in sweden what the dynamics are mm. in iran what the dynamics yeah. are here, even here in america yeah. um in the uk yeah. so it's yeah that international business that international mindset mm. um and the nuances of these cultures but you were born in iran and moved yeah. to sweden when you were three yeah and became a city fan and inter supporter and yeah dots connect <laughs> at all so how yeah. did this all come about? Right. Okay. So I'm born in 1981. So I am that old. And back then, it, there was no internet and stuff. And my my aunt was uh, was married to a German man uh, who I loved. Uh, he's no longer with us, of course. Uh, he passed away of cancer a few years back. Exactly. But um, yeah, yeah, he was, and he they had um, I mean, this is the 80s, 88, 89, right? So they, they you know, he had a like this giant satellite dish, uh, which he hooked up um watching german tv because he was german right and he wanted to have you know german tv and he he um he had uh and he was what and, and and the first game i saw uh of the seria was internapoli uh scudetto dei record 88-89 when inter won the scudetto thanks to a goal by mateos against maradona's napoli who had who were the reigning champions and this was trapatoni's you know legendary inter uh 8889 so yeah that was my first game and i remember it so vividly i was completely blown away by the san siro by the characters zenga bergomi lotar breme ferri mandorlini uh you know all nicola berti i mean all these guys i mean it was ramon diaz serena i mean i could go on but like it was it was you know and, and trapatoni on the bench and and the fans going crazy it was it was it was unlike anything it was like being hit by a ton of bricks that was unlike anything i've ever seen before uh and i was in love it was it was that was it that, that was it it was it was love at first sight and it was i was like um i was obsessed and and that's how i and then and then a year later italia 90 and these iconic images of italy playing in rome at the stadio olimpico schilacci you know the the Schilac the summer of Schilacci. It was I was completely. I mean that was just okay. That's then it then it became really not just Inter but also it, it, it Italy and and I became fascinated with Italy and Italian culture and 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 history and 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 it just became one of those things where I used to. I mean again this was like the late eighties early nineties and there was no internet so I used to save my allowance and go and buy day old. Because it took a day for the Gazeta dello Sport to get to Sweden, um, so I used to buy day-old gazettas uh, on a weekly basis. I used to pretend that I understood what they said, and like uh, I, used to, I used to think that you know I wanted to, you know, one day I'm going to learn to read what you know I'm going to learn Italian and understand what it says here, and I'm going to go to San Siro and watch a game, and 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 I was able to do all of that and then some. So it was um, it was one of those things I guess that that stuck with me from childhood. It's amazing because my story is very similar in the sense that watching football on a pre-internet age and, and this, and Italian 90 changed my life. Um, mm. And no, it really did it, for I our mean, generation, that, yeah. for our generation. I think it was a, the defining world cup. Um, yeah. It was absolutely fantastic from the uh, Eduardo Benatti, Gianna Nanini song, Unestate Italiana to, you know, to the to the to how the championship started and the dysfunction that they were, you know, the, the the World Cup inauguration in San Siro that was so that was a botched that was so botched by the organizers that and and how the refurbishment and re, you know rebuilding of the stadiums was so delayed they didn't know they were going to make it on time and I mean it was it was just it was just so Italy <laughs> it's just yeah so, that's it that's it, <laughs> it was, the Italians it was, are like and it was what, fascinating you know. It's, it's fascinating 
is right. And it's also yeah. like, it, it's also like a precursor to the modern era where we see exactly. now that exactly. even though that's 31, 32 years ago at this mm. point, nothing's changed. Nothing's no. changed. It's the same, it's the same dysfunction. It's the same, it's same but different. mentality. It's the, yeah, it's, the, it's the same, same, but different. You know what I mean? Like it, right. the, the structure is the same. Everything is exactly like you say. It's just that everyone's got an iPhone now. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the fact that, I mean, just Milan and Inter trying to build a new stadium and these old man mentality and the, the rich old guard from Berlusconi to Moratti, who are trying to basically ruin this deal that they have, that Milan and Inter have, they're doing their best to, to, to stop this stadium being built and San Siro being t- torn down. It's insane. These people are insane. And it's like, there's no logic to it. It's not like they're, it's not like anyone's saying that we want to tear down the Foro Romano and turn it into a goddamn supermarket or, or, or a mall. We're talking about a hundred year old structure that has been refurbished and is so old. It is, it is unrefurbishable. It's so old there. I mean, it's, you know, even the Brits in, in the UK, they like to preserve their culture, but they had to tear down Wembley. Down. They had to tear Wembley down. You just took it and, out. And you just took it right. Like Wembley Stadium, when I think of iconic footballing arenas, like that yeah. is, I mean, it's Maracana, it's La Bombonera, yeah. and it's Wembley. Yeah. Like, holy Trinity they re- of an era. Was, much, yeah. And that was that. Yeah. And, then- and they all rebuilt all of them. And they had to tear them because they were structurally old. And this notion that, and, and the fact that they just don't, it's like, it's it's insane it makes no sense and it's like it's not even i mean i think it's an obsession more than nostalgia now because it's like well it's just going to stand there it costs the city and the taxpayers money that's what the mayor said because he's he's been really working his butt off for the for the citizens in terms of for the city basically getting milan and inter to to accept a lot of things and concessions that weren't possible and that's why he's so pissed off now saying, look, I have worked my ass off to get these guys to come to this. And they're, you know, the financing is done. They've agreed to all this. If they don't get this, they're going to leave. And we're going to stand here with this monstrosity that we don't have money to repair or rebuild or, or tear down. And they're just going to go to Sesto San Giovanni where they already have a building permit. And they're just going to build it there. And the San Siro is going to be empty. Congratulations. You feel better about yourselves? I mean, it's, you know, he said it. I mean, I don't know how many times he said it in so many... He said it, he's, he's, he's been, he's done all the characters. He said it funnily, he's been kind, he's been angry, he's been defiant. He's tried everything to explain to these people that, look, we can't afford this. You know, this thing needs, it's not even safe anymore, some parts of it. And they just, they just keep tearing it down and they want to push it. And, and my, my, my thing is this, the, the usually before they used to have the pu- public with them, but now they don't because this is post COVID. And when somebody wants to invest 400 million euros or, or thereabouts into an area, bringing jobs and, and like, I'm sorry, guys, you know, well, like, like, like he said, like Salah said, the mayor, well, if you like it so much, then you pay for it to Moratti and Berlusconi. If you guys think, you know, if, if it's that important to you, great, here it is, pay for it. You pay for it. You rebuild it. You refurbish it. I mean, it's 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 insane it's not usable it's like oh but i went there with my bicycle with my dad it's like yeah well that's cute but no one's we're not again we're not tearing it down to turn it into a supermarket or a mall we're tearing it down like like they did with wembley they right. tore it down and they rebuilt it i mean and that's, they made it know, better and they made it and they, they made, made it 21st better. century structure yeah that's what needs to happen and it's yeah, also this, like it's, the foundations are a hundred years old sal i mean like, jesus that's insane to me because it's also what's funny is, is that while Juventus are going through trials and tribulations now that we <laughs> won't get into because that'll be another three hour podcast because for yeah. two non-Juventus fans, yeah. that's a hilarious thing, a hilarious <laughs> situation. But, <Yeah. laughs> but what, one thing that has been praised about whatever U, Juve has done in the last decade or so is that new stadium. And it's like, well, why can't you take that? You know, why can't we look at Udinese's new stadium? Udinese's new stadium is fantastic. Cagliari are building a new stadium. Verona were going to, I haven't spoken to Thomas Bertolt, who we interviewed for a while. You know, they were going to build a new stadium there that was going to be owned and run by the clubs and a private enterprise. Because it's, it's a dump. It's a mess. It's not even safe. Like, 
That's what people don't understand. These, these places are not even safe anymore. They're so structurally old and outdated. They're not nice. They're not nice. Like going to the bathroom at the San Siro is gross. Like it's genuinely disgusting. I've never it's been not a nice experience. So I've never been to the stadium and it's, it's a fascination with me, but all I hear is that, is that it's like, yeah, the it's experience gross. is cool, but it's gross. It's gross. Like, yeah, when you... That, like, CBGB's that month- gross. Like, I remember the bathroom <laughs> at CBGB's and, like, look, at the beginning of COVID, there was the joke running around in New York that, like, if you use the CBGB's bathroom, you'll be okay against COVID. And it's like, and that was obviously a joke, and I'm stressing yeah. that that was a joke. That is not yeah. real. That is not true. But it's like, <laughs> that bathroom was the dankiest, grossest place I've ever been in my life. And no, now, I've seen pictures of San Siro. Yeah. Like, oh, actually... No, man, it's it's horrible. And it's like, yeah, it looks good on the outside and, and the rings and, the, and all of it. It's, it's, it looks good. And, and the atmosphere in there is absolutely amazing. It's electric. I mean, the lights of San Siro, as the song goes, um, and all of that stuff. It's, it's true. But at the same time, they cannot refurbish this. It is a hun- the foundations of that stadium are 100 years old. It's not even safe. Like, it's, it's just not doable. And again, Wembley is kind of iconic, but they completely demolished that and rebuilt it. So I don't understand what the problem is here. And the only thing they're saying is, let's rebuild it like next to it so that, you know, they don't, they don't want to just tear it down. You know, they, one of the ideas was, which I absolutely loved, was that they were going to tear it down and that the, where the pitch is now was going to be a, it was going to be a park and the pitch where it is now was going to be a was was going to be kept in the sense that it was going to be open to the public to play there play football there how awesome would that not be you know That's so great. they maintain the exact position of the pitch and make it a, a, like an astroturf and then make it open for kids and everyone who lives there to play football there on the exact position where the pitch is I mean that how I mean that that to me is done with respect. That the, that is done with respect to the past and the future. I don't think that I don't think that's the the, the winning design that's going to win. Um, I think the 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 other one is going to win the populist one. But regardless, I mean, and also that was also that was also done with with you know you know looking back and 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 paying you know homage to history and all that. I mean, it's it's the two the two best bids are very. You know, they, they absolutely tie the old with the new. And and one of them, well, my favorite one was the one, like it was called the Rings of San Siro. It was kind of going to be circular as well. And they were going to pay tribute to that. And, and then they were going to have the pitch where it is now, but it was going to be a park and everyone could play there. So if they wanted to, and, and they were going to like have like lots of like museum, like museums to, to like, you know, pay tribute to all the glorious history of these two clubs. It's just, you know, it's it has to be done and and it will be done because I think the worst thing that could happen is then all right Inter and Milan say you know what we're done we're right. done we're go we're going to Sesto San Giovanni which is a little bit it's still part of Milan it's just a different council like it's it's Milan but it's not Milan if you know it's what I mean. like the way the Yankees play in the Bronx and the Mets here in New York play in Queens it's you know it's like yeah Milan, it's, basically it's exa- exactly but, it, but yeah exactly and and it's like you can get the metro there and stuff right um so so it's still like it's still but it's it's not it's not the ideal place because obviously you want to do it at the sun where where San Siro where people have gone to football for hundreds of years and for almost a hundred years and it's like they're gonna tire at some point um but i i I honestly think that you know milan and inter have decided that they're gonna sit down and talk with these people and explain to them why it doesn't work and then um you know there was an election and that's the thing the reason why i'm against the referendum is because milan just had a mayoral election where this was on the ballot the people have already spoken here you know they've already said what they think and the guy Sala won. The guy, <laughs> I mean, it's it's like this was on the ballot. People have already voted. If you're gonna have a if you're gonna have a referendum on this, it gets pushed back another two, three years. I mean, it's it's just you know, this is this is this is the classic Italian bureaucracy that when we interviewed Joe Tacopina, your friend, uh, who's on who's the owner of SPAL, like the the the, the red tape, I mean, they, they suffocate things to yes. death with bureaucracy. And it's sad because. I know so many people who are younger than me and, and my age who have just given up. 
Well, that's an entire thing. generation in Italy have just been suffocated to death by this nonsense from the older generation. It's yeah, they get put in a, in a full Nelson basically, mm. and, it, and it gets to a point where it's just like, all right, I'm not fighting. They give up and move. Out. They, yeah, let's just yeah, tap out. Let's they they leave, and Italy has so much talent leaving the country because of it because they just don't want to deal with this bullshit. They say like, you know, you only get one life. Why should I stay in this ridiculously corrupt system where? the same people control and rule everything to their favor and swing it to their favor. So I'll just go somewhere else, right. you know, and then it's sad. It's sad because, you know, it's, it just, it drains the country of competence. It drains the country of, 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 you know, people who want to stay and make it better. And, and it's, and, and, and all at the behest of a, of people who are going to die anyway. I mean, we're all going to die. This notion people, people don't understand that they're going to die. People have a really hard time dealing with their mortality. You know, it's like they, they think, Oh, it's, I got to keep this the way it always has been. Cause it's always been like, no life is in It's a, it's a continuous process. It just keeps rolling along. Change is part of life. I'm not saying we should, again, I'm not saying we should turn the Foro Romano into a McDonald's drive-through. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying, but, Football stadiums have to be re because the game has changed again. You know, life is a continuous process. You need to update and stay with the time sometimes. And what's crazy too is, is that for the first time in my life, I feel, and now I'm 37, going to be 38 very soon. And it's like, for the first time in my life, I could say Italian soccer has an interest beyond Italy and Italians. Absolutely. And a lot of it is because of social media. A lot of it is because of the characters that are in there. You know, Ronaldo going to Juve was, I mean, people that never watched Juventus. Like I have friends of mm. mine that were hardcore Real Madrid fans that were just like, I don't watch yeah. your league. It's not competitive. And then now suddenly we're just like, well, I'm only watching this because of him or United fans that were watching because of him. And people took an interest and were like, oh, actually, this is kind of fun. This is good. You see the talent coming out of it. You see what's happening. So it's a bigger league now, accommodated, but accommodated smartly. And it's everything that you're saying here. And what's interesting too is now, so you get this front row seat to some degree while being so far away to all of this nonsense and all of this craziness. But there are often times in your career where you get to be in the face of the front office of your favorite mm-hmm. club. You get to meet yeah. players as that beautiful shot of you and Kovacic uh, yeah. in your Twitter bio. <laughs> You know, you get to live the dream as every single fan. Do you still have pinch me moments of, wow, I can't believe this is the life like I've got? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I do. Um, I, it's like, you know how it is when you're working, you just turn off because you go into, you know, you go into autopilot, you're working, you know, you want to, you want to, you're, you know, you're sitting, you're, you're thinking, okay, you know, what question am I asking now? And what, you know, based on what he says, then what's the follow-up question. So you're not even, but yeah, there was, um, there've been one or once or twice um, where it's like, it hits you, you know? Um, And I think the, that was when I was before the pandemic, uh, I was in Milan quite a bit, five, six times a year. I mean, and, and I was, you know, doing, you know, working and, and interviewing these players. And, and, and yeah, the first time I interviewed Zanetti, that really hit me. That was weird. That was weird. That was, that was surreal for about, like, afterwards, it felt like, okay. <laughs> you get this to, is, like, uh, you can this take was, yourself, well, because I don't know if I'd be, like, I feel... Like I've met players, I've met famous players. I, you know, when I met Brazi a few years ago, that was awesome. That was surreal. You know, I've met players, but there are certain people that are of a different caliber, certain players of a different caliber. Like, I don't know if I'd be able to contain myself around like Maldini or Pirlo or even Scalacci to some degree. Those are the guys that, you know, it's yeah. with you as Inter, like that is the bandier, that is the guy. No, it's like for thing like well, the thing is like with, with him it was it was a bit surreal. That was a bit surreal feeling. But I mean for me it's more it's more the the heroes you have as a kid. Like when I got to interview Ricardo Ferri, the central defender into central defender, that was big for me. When I got to meet Ruben Sosa, that was like these these characters, you know, that you grew up idolizing as a kid. I think those are the ones that sit the deepest in you. You know what I mean? Like that that was I mean because and also with Ricardo Ferri being the one of the most lovable human beings that I've ever met in my life that just made the whole experience so much more better. You know what I mean? Like you're doing the interview, you're having a wonderful conversation and the person you're interviewing is just a genuinely lovely man. 
and and just you're like wow this is you know it just makes it so like you're you're like just so happy right then then. more than just happy you know professionally you're just really content that shit this guy is not just you know i'm not just doing my job but fucking hell this is an awesome dude too you know what i mean like yeah no absolutely absolutely you know what's it like covering city though from sweden you know of course ibrahimovic is sweden's star you know but do the Swedish enjoy watching the Italian league or is it just the domestic one or is it not really that much? No, no, no. Swedish, um, Swedes have a, I mean, basically the, the, the connection with Italy goes back to the fifties. Um, when, when Grenoli, Gunnar Grien, Thomas Nordahl, Nisselidahl, the three of them played at Milan and Bengt Lindeskog uh, and uh, Naka Skoglund played for Inter, Kura Hamrin in Fiorentina, Napoli, etc., etc. Sweden had a really big connection in the, in the 50s to Italy, Italian football. Um, and then, but then Swedish national TV, because you guys don't have that in the US, but like our BBC, which is a you know, government paid, like it's a tax funded public broad, broadcaster, um, that they started um, showing English league football in the 70s. And that's why, and that coincided with Roy Hodgson and Bob Houghton coming to Sweden. And I mean, if we were to talk in the world, I don't think any country has impacted the football culture of another country as much as English football has defined and and, and impacted Sweden and Scandinavia. Like it is, you will never see anywhere that the impact that one culture, one footballing culture has had on another. It's it's absolutely it's it's basically they set the norms in the 70s from 70s onwards before that it was a different different era in swedish football um it was much more influenced by german football um but since then it's it's you know from the 70s when bob and roy came to sweden with their 442 and the system and and the public broadcasting system uh, channel started airing the english league then you know that that just created that just became part of Swedish culture. It's just, I mean, for, you know, Wolverhampton and Liverpool and oh. West Brom have like thousands of fans in this country. I you had know, no thousands. Idea. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah it's it's more like, than, so it's more than a country that has just phenomenal pop music, tasty balls <laughs> and complex furniture. So there, there's so much more to Sweden than what is what you're saying here. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah. it's really, but I had no idea. This is fascinating. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely unbelievable. And it was so cool. Again, one of those pinch me moments when I got to interview Roy Hodgson for the podcast, for our podcast, that was because that, that's something I wanted to talk to him about, you know, and and that was like really interesting for me, because to hear how he lived because he lived that he he did that him and Bob Houghton, they did that. Um, and it was, you know, and the way, you know, how he saw that from the inside and, and the amount of abuse they got. I mean, they were so hated when they came and they called it the end, you know, this was the death of football and, you know, the 442 and the zonal marking was the death of football. It was going to destroy the game and, you know, no one was going to watch it in two years time because it was so boring and it was so blah, blah, blah. And, and, and all the shit they went through with that. And, but, and they were so successful. I mean, this is what, you know, Bob and Sven's introduction into Swedish football is what got Sven Goran Eriksson, you know, that his career was you know he, he learned from them and he won everything in 82 with with ifk gothenburg in europe with a team of half i mean like that famous you know headline in germany like you know after they won the uefa cup you know we got beaten by a baker a school teacher and a and a truck driver and that was pretty much true these guys were some you know they were all workers in in one of them was a school worked in in school cooking for kids the other one worked in the dockyards you know, it was, it was just, you know, they were, they were semi pros. They, they trained on their, they trained after work. Um, and, and he Sven came in there and he just elevated the level of training and the way that they were positioned and they outran, outfought, outthought and out, outplayed everyone in Europe that year. And, and that was the start of his career in Europe, um, which took him to Portugal, Sweden, which took him to Portugal, Italy, and then ultimately the English national team. Wow. Wow. I mean, it's what's crazy is, is that you, it's never this discussed, like no. that, how big of a culture that the game has in Sweden mm. and, in, mm. you know, and in Scandinavia, too. So this is mm. this is great. I want to shift now to another place where, 
you know, where you're, where you're from, that also doesn't get talked about enough. And, you know, during international break, I, I look forward <laughs> when you tweet, I look forward <laughs> to international crazy. break for a few reasons, you know, obviously, <laughs> but you know, it is. And, but also to see countries and teams that I'd never really get to look at every week. Um, I do. I love following, you know, the, the African qualifying for cup of nations and just seeing players and teams that yeah like all right cool like i had to see a different style and it's all about different styles because in europe it's you get you know what you're going to get but outside of that you you don't but i lo- look forward to your commentary when you do iran because given its complexities politically mm-hmm. socially yeah you yeah. know what's it like seeing them on the world stage unified though it's 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 amazing and a lot of that is down to carlos queiroz the former real madrid and manchester united coach and assistant coach because the reason why he is such a such a loved character not just in iran but iranians everywhere is because of how he unified the people regardless of where they live in the sense that he started looking for iranians who had, who were based abroad and said i'm not just going to pick players from inside iran i'm going to pick all iranians that are eligible to play from wherever they are and the best players the best team they're they're the ones i'm going to call and he did that and he he you know it's no secret that he didn't exactly have the easiest route and the fa the iranian fa which is i mean let's let's call a spade a spade they're they're incredibly corrupt and they 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 don't exactly make life easy for whoever's in charge um and and they they don't you know the regime doesn't particularly like this team because it got it brings people together and they don't like it um and and they you know it you know they collect you know it just it just you know brings people together in in in, in large numbers and they're not too big they're not big fans of that so when the game is reasons. doing what it's supposed to yeah that's, they're not big fans. No, 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 no. They don't like that. They don't like that at all because, wow. you know, it's um, and so they they really they actively try to work against him, and he he fell in love with the with with the players and the culture and the fans that he stood by that for almost a decade. You know, he didn't need to do that. He could have gotten a much better, well-paid job elsewhere, but he stood by Iran. He stood wow. by Iran. He stood by Iranian football, the players, and he defended Iran's. He defended Iran's honor. He defended Iran. Like I remember a game against South Korea when they had spoken, a, they trash talked a lot about Iran. He, he, you know, there's this famous clip of him on YouTube after Iran score. He's basically going to the South to the South Korean bench and mocking them, like taunting them. <laughs> like you know like stuff like that because of all the shit they said so no he i mean and, and that kind of made everyone everywhere we all i mean we all all of us love the national team but the what he did was make every iranian everywhere regardless of where they live and and where they were born they felt everyone feels connected to this team and part of this team um and that's all him and this is his general this is his generation of players that are doing well now these are players that he scouted that he brought in that he you know that grew up under his wing and he was so he built a team that was so disciplined that was built on hard work and discipline and he didn't have the attacking talent that iran has now because these kids they were younger then but iran was a very difficult team to beat they were very difficult to break down, as Argentina saw in the World Cup, you know, extremely organized. And they they barely conceded a goal. And and that was, you know, and he got them to understand the value of discipline, hard work, organization, um, all of those things. And I mean, you know, he went to the World Cup because of these US ridiculous US sanctions, unilateral sanctions. The team didn't even have, couldn't even have, didn't even have like proper gear. You know, like these are the stuff that they sanction them. You know, the sanctions always hit the people. They don't hit the the ones that they're trying to hit. So um, it's, you know, it it targets the sick, the elderly, uh, those, you know, medicines, you know, stuff like that. It just makes life a living hell for the population. It doesn't hurt those in power. So, um, you know, it's uh, so, you know, it was it was ridiculous. I mean, Iran couldn't, you know, because of the sanctions, for example, they didn't even have training gear and stuff. 
this is a country that's going into the World Cup. It's one of the top teams in Asia, and they can't even have they can't even have a proper shirt sponsor because of these sanctions. It's you ridiculous. Know, it is this. It is this David Goliath versus Goliath. Hmm. Pro, you know, I, uh, mentality almost for for the players <laughs> and for the fans. Yeah. But here's the interesting thing, which kind of blows me away, is is that, as you said, like the the FA is there is is they have allegations no, of corruption. Yeah. You know, the government we know is is not kind to its people. No. But if you were to use a playbook out of previous countries, now to tie this back to Italy, to tie this back mm. to another place that you are an expert in, mm. Mussolini in World War II used the Azzurri as a propaganda tool. That's a mm. fact. That is there's a reason yeah. why they're blue. That's just the way they are. That's yeah, that, exactly. that was all they're still blue, and that he designed that. That was by design. Yeah. Exactly. And it was a propaganda tool. You know, the German team was a propaganda tool around the same time. Yeah. What is it about the idea of people coming together that I that you don't think that even at the very slightest, that even the, the government and the FBA could be like, well, this could be a th- this could work to our advantage. Why is it why aren't they doing that? Because when you have a hundred and ten thousand Iranians collect, you know. And one place at the Azadi Stadium, which holds around 90 to 110,000 people. And most of them girls and a lot of them women trying to get in and, you know, and they're trying to impose, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to arrest 110,000 people who are shouting against you, who who, who shout anti-government slogans or, you know, they don't like large groups of people congregating. And they're united there, and they just don't like it. They they really that's why they made life living you know hard for them. Um, and it's you know because they know that you know just <laughs> look when you when you're a dictatorship, you know that you you know you're living on borrowed time. And a slightest little flicker can set a, can set the the forest alight. It's a powder keg. And anything can set it off. And they don't want that. They want to preserve order at all costs. And football unites people in that country and like it does everywhere. And when they're there, uh, you know, and, and, and women being allowed into state, I mean, they've given, they've had to give and give that up now because Iranian women just don't take shit. You know, they, that. they just, and that's featured. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And because this, this, that was actually my next question here is because, and part of my ignorance on that, because I'm happy to know that like that's changed because in the brilliant and eye opening 2006 Iranian film Offside. Yeah. I think it's the greatest, film. one of the greatest. It's a fantastic film. One of the most fantastic films about the sport. And even if you don't like the sport, it's just no. one, of, one of the best films. Yeah, I've seen I agree. In the last 20 I agree. Years. I agree. I think it's if so fairly depicts everything, and it show it just to me. It's the I know it's a feature film, but it absolutely is true. It feels like a documentary, and it's about it exactly of women in Iran dressing yeah. up as men to sneak <laughs> to into that stadium to yeah. watch to watch yeah. the qualify. It's not even yeah. a final. It's it's just to no. qualify for the cup. Yeah. yeah. So. So Absolutely. now you're saying progress it. has happened now, and this oh, is yeah. women. No, but they alive. can't stop it. They can't stop it because women don't. The girls don't listen. Like, what are you going to do when when millions of people just refuse to listen to your nonsense? They've tried it for 30, 40 years, but they don't care. They don't care anymore, and and they just they they've had to backtrack on that because the pressure was too was too much, um, and it was all thanks to these women who. I mean, they were the, they're the leaders of their cause, but it was basically society. It's a societal thing. Men and women decided a majority, an overwhelming majority of them, that this is nonsense. You know, this is nonsense. We're not doing that anymore. And they had to backtrack on that. Now we'll have to wait and see if we know what happens. Cause I mean, there's been an election in between and since COVID and, you know, you know, COVID restrictions. So it's being played behind empty, you know, behind closed doors, most of these qualifiers, but, but I mean, when, it, when, it, if come January, if, in, in, you know, infections go down, which they have done because Iran has started to vaccinate like nobody's business, uh, like crazy. They're basically going from, from block to block offering vaccines right now. Um, so um, it's uh so yeah, and I mean, we'll have to wait and see how it looks in January. Um, if January um, comes along, and you know, it's it's um, the 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 spread of the virus is, is low, 
then they will they they won't be able to play that game behind because that's the game that can secure the the, the qualification to the third World Cup for in, in the first time the third World Cup in a row in Iran's history for the first time ever. Like Iran has been to a couple of World Cups, but three in a row we've never been to, and and they will do it because they're top of the group and they barely they've got five wins and a draw. And if they win that game at home against Iraq then it's a done deal and they won't be able, I mean, people are going to go out on the street regardless. So they might as well just open the stadiums because it's going to be chaos. Like it's <laughs> as simple as it's more a case of, you know, it's going to happen. So either you do it and let them celebrate the proper way, or they're just going to go out and run amok in the, in the, like in the city and all, in all the cities. Like it's just, you know, you do you bro, but they're going to do what they want to do. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to stop them. Oh, man, it, that that's, that's an amazing feeling. Now, here's uh, the million. We're coming towards the end here. Um, we're about to hit my favorite section of the podcast. But before we get to that, what happens if there's a World Cup where Sweden has to play Iran? What do you do? Because you can't no, no, be no. neutral in that one. No, 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 no. I'm not neutral. It's it's Iran. Iran is. Uh, I, I absolutely support Iran all the way. That it's not even a. It's not even a. It's not even a comp. The, the thing is though. For me, with Swedish football, I mean, I the national team, I've I don't support them automatically. It depends on like in the '90s, I loved those players, '94 yeah. team because most of them played in the Serie A, um, and 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 most of them, you know, IFK Gothenburg had. I think after Milan and Barcelona, IFK Gothenburg was a team that had the most national team players in in USA '94. And it was my team. So I, I was very heavily invested in that team because it was players that I loved and the, the ones that didn't play in, in, in IFK played in the Serie A, which I watched and loved anyway. So it was I was very, very invested. And it was such a good team as well. And they played a modern football and it was, you know, they were unlucky not to get to the final. Um, but um, but no, so so for me, it's like it's been in and out. And I, and I have players that I like as well. But now in this in this new Swedish team, it's, it's an exciting team. But Zlatan is if he if 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 Sweden make it, and I hope they do, because I want I think Ibrahimovic deserves to go out on a high note and play in a, in another World Cup, and like that be his final, you know, uh, his his kind of goodbye to the to this to, to the to the world, to the world stage, um, at international level at least. Um, so I think yeah, I'd, I'd love to see that. Uh, I'd love to see him do that. But if yeah. If if Iran played it, Sweden, I definitely supports Iran. There's no doubt. But but um but I mean it's it's one of those things. I remember when Iran played Sweden in a friendly, um, and Zlatan scored, and the Iranian crowd all applauded him, mm-hmm. and he applauded them back because, you know, he he is he is so respected uh, because of who he is and what he's done, um, and everything he's gone through and every everything that he you know he can really speak of Sweden as a country, not just footballing wise. You can speak of Sweden as a before and after Ibrahimovic breakthrough, the Swedish society, because I know that he probably, and I think it's a little bit unfair on him because this is not something he asked for, but it just happened. The stars were aligned that way, that he became a symbol and his career became a symbol of a country in change and a country and a society in change that had to own up to a lot of hard and not flattering facts about itself and his you know he became the embodiment of that that's a beautiful thing to say and it's and it's so true and in a lot of ways i always that's what i always envisioned what would happen with balotelli and this is not on mario this is on the society in which mario played in Exactly. Because Mario, I always Mario say that. That's a great example. Ibra. And Mario is, yeah. in my opinion, Mario is Ebro. What he is to Italy is what Jackie Robinson was to baseball in America. Exactly. Exactly. I'm so glad you said that because that's something I always say when when people talk about Balotelli. I say he's forcing Italy to deal, reckon with things that Sweden had to reckon with when Ibrahimovic broke through. And and like all change, like you said, Jackie Robinson. I mean. It's it it it's 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 like a birth. It's painful, but but it's beautiful when it's over. Something it's better. Li- it's necessary because life again goes on, and life and it's supposed to change. And if you're the yeah. again, and this is the thing, and the metaphor here is going back to what we talked about with San Siro. Yeah, it's you can have a hundred year old foundation that's crumbling, 
but you have it just to have it? Or do you have something new and exciting and beautiful and wonderful that could be around for another hundred years for another generation to enjoy? Yeah. Look, you Berlusconi know. wants to buy San Siro, by all means, do it. Call knock it Bunga Bunga. That's all you yeah. want. <laughs> knock yourself out. But knock yourself out. But again, it's like that's, and this is why I feel like with Mario, he, it was literally Mario against the world. Whereas the Swedes mm. are much more pragmatic and they're much more forward thinking than the Italians are because the it's the old guard. It's, you know, you have in Sweden, you have women leaders, you have elected women mm. leaders, you have, you know, it was a country that celebrated its gay culture. It, it celebrated diversity in a place where like, when you think Sweden, it's blonde hair and blue eyes, but no, yeah, it's but, much more but, than but that. The thing is though, but the thing is though, you, I mean, I got to correct you on that because Sweden does have like, I mean, that that's the, that's the image Sweden has given to it, to the world over okay. the past few years and it's and it was true then but sweden was never really a country that was exposed to immigration until the 50s 60s 70s and then that was more like like the us had with 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 immigration you know we need workers to build our economy but then you had the refugees come from the 70s and onwards and this has caused sweden this has been this has caused a rift in sweden because at the same time you had a lot of you know societal changes uh, like on an, on a political level, which has created a polarization in the society, and and Ibrahimovic, the new underclass, the new underclass, the new poor people are this new Swedish underclass is less ethnically Swedish than it was before, if that makes sense. It's yeah, no, it's all sure. immigrant, and I mean it's 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 one of those things where, and that's why you have this polarization, and the reaction to that is exactly like it is in Italy. The reaction to that is that the older generation has reacted to that the way that they have in Italy, in that they go to Salvini. Here they've gone to the Sweden Democrats, who literally, literally are former Nazis. Like that's not, wow. there's no connection. In 1988, their party was founded by three Nazis. The white, the, the, the former white Aryan resistance people formed a party called the Sweden Democrats. They're polling at 20%. They've undergone changes, but their roots are neo-Nazis. And so Sweden is going through that change. I mean, it's no one, no country on earth is preserved. I know you guys, you in America, you guys, this is what I like about America. You don't, you know your problems and you take it out and you hash it out. You don't hide it. You don't bullshit people. Well, that's a new thing. Yeah. Well, 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 exactly. We're doing it. Yeah, because you it's, know. you know, the shit won't get into the horse and and because it's so out there for everyone to see. Right. So you guys discuss it and you know that you have a race. You, you know, you, you went through that in the 60s with with your racial tensions. And and it's been an ongoing process ever since to, to resolve this issue. Right. Sweden's going through that now. And the, the backlash, we have our George Wallace moment now, to put it bluntly. And that's the Swedish. That's the Sweden Democrats. That's the George Wallace moment that we have. You know, in in in, in, the, in the in that election cycle that you guys had, and it's the same thing. You can see it in the in Britain, in France, in Italy, elsewhere, where Europe is having its George Wallace problems now, the same way you guys had it in the sixties, um, because it's coming into identity issues. Because the you know the U.S. identity is everyone's something American, Italian American, Irish American, African American, but you're still American here you know europe is much more identitary in the in, in in its ethnicity that you're either swedish or you're not you know and they've and they've had to understand that what makes a nation a nation is not just ethnicity but it's actually much more than that i mean australia is like you guys you know the uk the australia and and the us are very similar that way that everyone is an immigrant pretty much to some generation you know, one or two generations back. Here, it's not like that. And this new dynamic of what is ethnic, what what constitutes Sweden and Swedishness is it something new or is it the old? You know, go back to the old and 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 to and they build up this notion that that doesn't even exist. You know, it's like it's like when you romanticize your childhood, no matter how screwed up it was. Do you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> You know, no, but you know what I mean. Transition to what a way to put, but again, it's it's that thing you know that I mean? everybody's going like, to be able to relate to. Yeah, because you know what I mean. Like no matter you know, even if you had the best childhood or the worst childhood, everyone remembers it with rosy tinted eyeglasses when they look back. 
because that's just human nature. We all, we, when we look back and remember things, we remember them, we romanticize them. You know, that's just who we are as people, right? And so that's what's so dangerous about this kind of nationalism that we have now in Europe is that it, it's romanticizing something that, that back then a majority of the people hated and changed. You know, the sexual revolution in Sweden, that was, you know, that was the same people now who are clutching grandmother's pearls over rap music, for example, in Sweden and saying that maybe this is, we need to ban it, basically having the same conversations that you had in the 90s in America, which everyone laughs at now because anyone with half a brain cell knows that music doesn't kill people or incite violence. It's ridiculous, you know? The same people that were that were all for the, you know, the you know the nudist movement and the sexual revolution are now trying to ban music you know because because they've they're old now and again <laughs> you know they're not young anymore and they're not in touch with what what is happening for good and bad change is going to happen now you can affect that and try to make pull that change into a positive and more inclusive direction or you can be cynical and try to make things worse for the next generation that's really up to you. I mean, I can't think of a better way to end the first part <laughs> of that than this. I mean, because it, it talks about, every, you know, it's you could be the current San Siro or you could be the yeah. new one. Exactly. That, exactly. We're well, gonna but... hit, here's my favorite part of the podcast now. Um, and this is rapid fire questions. Oh, and this okay. is all about inter. Now time for a coffee break. Curva Mundial is sponsored by Mod Cup Coffee in Jersey City. But you can get it anywhere in the world from modcup.com. Mod Cup, drink modern coffee. Use code MUNDIAL for 10% off your first order. So question number one, if you could bring back one former player to your club, alive or dead, who would it be and why? In today's squad? In today's squad. I it'd probably be Mike on. I want Mike on instead on that right wing back position because we need it. <laughs> There's it's a whole I I Mike on on that. But I mean, if if we're talking generally, all my favorite one of my favorite players is Lothar. Lothar would walk into any inter team. But I'm looking at that squad and I'm thinking we look pretty good in midfield, but we don't have a good right wing back that that is working at least for now. So Mike on for sure. Spoken like a true analyst because I've had, <laughs> exactly. I've had amazing answers run the gamut. No yeah. one's only one person has picked Messi, but I've had amazing answers run the gamut. But that was like the most like analytical. <laughs> yes, no, right. no, we 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 have a problem on the right wing back. <laughs> uh, if your play, if your I'm sorry, if your club could sign one player today, active player, who would it be and why? Holland. Erling Holland. If Inter had him next to Lautaro, we'd be unbeatable. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> him with his finishing, his you know his his ability to score, his physique, his strength, you know his dynamism, unstoppable. I just so what's funny is is that you're the second Inter guest I have this season. Uh, I have no Milan guests this season. Oh, uh, so I'm hoping we got to address that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to fix that down the line. But you're the second uh, inter guest I have. My first guest is one of my uh, closest friends. My first inter guest, I should say, was one of my one of my best friends. Huge inter fan. He had picked De Bruyne, which I love that idea. What do you think about that? I think De Bruyne would walk into any team, but I look at the deficiencies. Um, of the team as it is today and I think that what Inter lack is a natural goal scorer even which I, th I guess for a lot of people is like well how can you say that Inter scores so many goals yes they do but you need a natural goal scorer the guy that scores the ugly goals the tap-ins the simple goals the people all kinds of goals yeah not just that but just, just the guy who converts because Inter creates so many chances and they miss against Milan in the derby against Atalanta against Real Madrid you know it's that that will cost Inter I, I hope not, but I think it will in the long run, especially in the Champions League. I want that killer in the box. Um, and Lautaro isn't that player. Correa has never been and won't be that player. Alexis Sanchez has never been that player. Uh, and, and he's more of an impact sub. And so is Edin Dzeko. He isn't. He used to be that player, but he isn't anymore. 
And I don't think we can ask uh, Edin Dzeko to do anything more than he's already done because he's been absolutely fantastic and exceeded all my expectations uh, on the pitch. And Martin Satriano is 18. I can't put that pressure on an 18-year-old. It's, it's just mean. Oh, it makes so, sense. It makes so sense. Holland. I want to get your analytical take on that. All right. I love it. Um, My final question here is what has been your favorite moment as a fan? Now, this is a fan of Inter, fan of the game, Mm. whatever the case may be. What is your favorite moment as a fan? I think it would have to be when I was in Berlin, when Italy won the World Cup. That was was unbelievable. You were there. Yeah, I wasn't at the stadium, but I was at the fan mile uh, with about like a million other people. And it was unbelievable because I, I mean, the thing is at international level, I support Italy and Iran, right? Um, sometimes Sweden, depending on the players, as I said, but with Italy, it was just, Oh, finally, you know, it was after so many, so nears and, you know, that Italy having golden generation after golden generation, Baresi, Maldini, Masara, all the, you know, all these guys, Baggio, you know, all those, and then the, the heartbreak of two, Euro 2000 when Francesco Toldo makes one mistake that entire tournament, and that's for the equalizer against Viltor, and that's when the game is won. I mean, and then to, to, to do it against France and that France that had six years earlier taken it from Italy, it was, and, and, and the way they did it, and that team was the last dance of Totti, Pirlo, all these guys. Um, it, was, it, was, it was just, and the way they did it, it was just, oh, now that was that was that was just fine. It was just such a that in 2010, you know the, the, that that but that wasn't just a moment. That was that entire season. That's why I didn't pick the 2009 2010 season, winning the Champions League, because it was it wasn't just one moment that season. That entire season was it was inter orgy from start to finish. Yo, that because is, <laughs> it's so true. I mean, even as a Milan fan, watching that team. It was disgusting. It, because mm. here's the thing is that that team, Mourinho got players to everybody stepped up. Yeah. Diego Melito wins you Champions League. Yeah. yeah. Not and it was No. It's, it's, it, that's the, no, that's the beauty of it is that he, and that's, you know, we've talked about this off air with Roma is that he needs gladiators, no pun intended. Yeah. And he needs guys <laughs> that are going to go to war for him. Yeah. And that, in, and that inter team, I think is the last Mourinho side that ever went to war. It was the perfect Mourinho monster. Um, it was, it was, it was the perfect coach at the perfect club with the perfect group of players at the perfect moment in time. And everything just g- clicked because it wasn't just winning it. Conte also won. Trapattoni also won. But they didn't do it in the way... Every club has an identity. Mourinho won everything doing it contro tutto e tutti. That's Inter's... You know, that's... Whatever you think of it, that's how Inter see themselves in the world. It's us against everything and everyone. And he won... He channeled that energy, which can be rather divisive, but he used it to, to unite and to win in the most Inter way possible. You know, that derby against Milan with two players sent off and the chaos that was around that and him afterwards coming out, he was pissed off, you know, in the interview and he just sent, you know, was flame, flaming everything and everyone in Italy and the system. And, and, and you know, it was it, that just went down well. I mean, just it was just he just galvanized everyone. It was, you know, it was winning against everything in Barcelona, UEFA's darling, Ibrahimovic having left Inter to go there, you know, beating them out. That 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 was it was just one crazy heartbreaking, you know, mind-blowing, you know, you it was just it was it was the full inter experience that season, you know. This 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 roller coaster. I mean, we are FC Bipolare Milano, we are bipolar. I mean, we are that we know that there's we shift between these emotions back and forth. This is who we are. Like this is this is like inter breaks you down. I mean, look at I mean, just look at you know. Beppe Marotta before and after photos. Like you know, it's like even Inzaghi, even Simone Inzaghi, look at how he looked when he came to Inter in June. And yet Zanetti and, never ages. Exactly. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's so weird. I mean, just that club ages you. You know, it, it's 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 a it's like Trapattoni said, going into Inter was like going into a centrifuge of pressure. Um, and it was unlike anything he'd ever coached. It was 
and, and it is, it is, it's a, it's a special place. And to be able to do it, to do what Mourinho did and to give everything you have and to just create that, it was, it was Moratti, it was, it was every, it was the perfect storm. It was, it was the perfect interseason. It was the height of Interismo that season. And, and to me, so, so that's why I can't say one moment because it just was the entire season. Oh, it makes, no, I get it. I get it. But, but yeah, I would say Italy, uh, the 2006 World Cup final being there and just Grosso scoring that goal. And I, I don't remember much after because I think I was blanked out. And I was, I, next thing I remember is I'm being picked up off the floor by a Mexican woman congratulating me whilst I was crying next to a friend. It was just crazy. Oh, man. The beauty of the game. Nima, yeah. this was awesome. This was everything yeah, I hoped thanks. it would be. Thank you so much <laughs> for doing this. I really appreciate it, man. Oh, my pleasure. Always a pleasure, Sal. I love what you do. Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.